that's not fair. Do you ever hear those words? We, we hear them sometimes in our house. Probably less so than we used to, to be honest. Um, sometimes it's over, quite often, it's over whose turn it is next to do some chore, clean out the guinea pigs. Sometimes it's over the size of pudding. Because we all know that that other person's portion is bigger than mine. Have you ever weighed different pudding portions to make sure they're fair? And I have to admit, this is one of those times when I think it's my fault. Of the two grown-ups in our house, um, I suspect it's me that has this slightly excessive sense of fairness. Um, it was a regular feature in my house growing up. Morning, Mum and Dad, at the back. And, well, it's important to be fair, isn't it? Fairness and justice matter. God loves justice. It's all important. Welcome, everyone. It's lovely to see you this morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Ewan, um, and hopefully I'm going to be explaining the next uh, bit of the Bible to you this morning. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this part of the Bible that uh, we call the Sermon on the Mount. It was a talk that Jesus gave to his disciples where he explained to them many things about the kingdom of heaven. He's been explaining this isn't a military kingdom. It's a kingdom of transformed hearts. We've seen that Jesus' followers in this kingdom should be obvious to the world around us, like salt and light. And these last few weeks were set up by Matt about a month ago. We've been told how this new kingdom wouldn't throw away those rules of the Jews. They would use them and, in fact, build on them. They were expected not to just be as righteous as those rules said, but more righteous than the most righteous followers of those rules. Righteous from the inside, from our hearts. And this week, we're going to look to another command to our hearts. And Joyce is going to come up and read it for us. Um, it's on page 970 of the Blue Bibles. So if you want to look that up, that would be grand. It will also be on the screen. Thank you. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go into one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you? Amen. Thank you, Joyce. Now, I'd love it if you keep your Bibles open so that we can look at this together. As I've said, this passage, I feel, is giving us one of the heart commands for this kingdom of transformed hearts we've been looking, about, uh, looking at and Jesus has been talking about. Verse 38, the verses are the small numbers. They've heard it said, an eye for an eye, an eye for eye, and tooth for tooth. Well, the obvious question is, where had they heard this? 
This phrase comes up several times in the Bible, and what would have been their Bible in the Old Testament, um, the part of the Bible given to the Jewish people a long time ago when God saved them from Egypt. This was part of God's laws. And this saying is repeated a few different times in in slightly different situations, but it is saying roughly what you think it's saying, that the punishment should be in line with the crime. But there's a really important subtlety that people had started to misunderstand. You see, the way that people were using this in Jesus' day wasn't in line with what was first meant by it. These rules were given to the Jewish nation, to the corporate people, not to individuals, and not as an allowance for personal vengeance. If someone had wronged you, they started to think, it was okay to get them back to the degree that they'd harmed you. Now, the response Jesus wants us to make, in fact, he wants us to go more than what was first written. He wants us to go as far as possible in the other direction. This is the transformed hearts from inside out. But let's look at what the verses say first. Verse 39, don't resist an evil person. If they slap you on the cheek, then give them the other cheek. Now, this probably was not a particularly painful slap. The idea is a sort of a, a backhanded, it's more of a giving of offense. It's if they've offended you. Verse 40, another example. These examples kind of all fit together and roll up together. For the person who takes you to the law courts and wants to take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. People weren't allowed to sue you for your coat. It was seen as being such a vital garment. For the poor, it, was even, um, it could even operate as a bedding as well. But we should be willfully willing to give it away. Verse 40, more examples. Um, oh, no, verse 41, more examples. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. This example was the Roman military officers. They were allowed to force you to cavity their pack with them for one mile. But you should willingly go a second mile, continue to carry that pack. And finally, don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. If they ask, give it to them. These ideas all build together, and the picture is a long way from taking revenge. It's about showing mercy not taking revenge. Now, this is hard to get our hearts around, to get our heads around, everything that's being said, but let's not miss the main point for not understanding what it would mean in every situation. The main point, I think, is about what transformed hearts look like, not just about following rules. Rather, be merciful to the other party and loving. Don't take revenge. Don't go grasping for what is fair, for what you believe that you deserve. It doesn't say that the other person is always right. It's about choosing to love them regardless. So I'm going to go into a bit of a small print section because I think this is quite complicated and there's a lot of but what ifs and does that means and let's think about it a bit more. As um, But uh, Bimbo said, when we started, we'd love to have your questions so that we can think together about what this means. And maybe today, if I can ask you to hold off on questions for two or three minutes, because I I might be about to answer some of them, or at least half answer them. 
and then we can think more about them afterwards. So, first observation. As I mentioned above, this is about personal revenge, not about societal and government structures of justice. Justice is good. The police and courts help our society to run. Imperfect though they are, the justice system we have in this country is a great blessing. And the Bible tells us, to the extent that they work, this is something that God has put in place. These systems are good. Second, these examples are about how we choose to respond, not about something that you let happen to a third person. This can never be a reason to stop acting to help someone else. Thought three. These examples, Jesus doesn't seem to show really extreme examples. These are not examples where life is in danger. It's generally about offense and hurt. You might want to take different course of action if your life is in danger. And finally, as a longer but linked observation, I want to say this does not give anyone the right to abuse or require anyone to take abuse. If you are in an abusive relationship or know someone it is, please seek help. It is not good. It is not part of God's good design. The Bible speaks of the strongest of terms against the powerful taking advantage of others. So if you're suffering abuse, please, we ask, don't suffer in silence. We'd love to help you or seek help wherever you can. That is not what this passage is saying. God loves you and cares for you. Well, I'll say it again to sum all that up, my random observations. The stuff in this passage can be quite hard. And we don't want to think about the what-ifs. And I think quite often the what-ifs probably matters the what-ifs to you and in your situation. There are a million and other situations that we could think about, but, but I think it's often helpful to focus on the what-ifs in your situation. Talk to friends. Share it with your brothers and sisters. See what it means. But also, I found a few weeks ago, one of the passages, I think it might have been Matt, but I can't remember which one pointed us to it. Towards the end of this section of Matthew, Jesus says... Um, Matthew 7, chapter 7, verse 13, verse 12. Do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And that's the point. Some of it is about that idea that sums up all these things we've been going through about loving others. Next week, we're going to think more about loving our enemies. One of the main points there is that anyone can love those that love them, but can you love those that don't love you? That's the challenge. That's what's hard. And that's what links us back to this week, about, not, about choosing mercy, not revenge, about loving those who have wronged us and hoping to be salt and light to them and the world. That, that's quite a christian phrase. What does that mean? Well, it means being an example of God's mercy and love to the world to bring, bring God glory. If we're going to have any chance of doing this, we need to think about, start thinking about why Jesus asks us. And that's what I want to think about the biggest heart. There's a passage later in Matthew's account of Jesus' life where Jesus sort of talks about this. One of his followers, it's on, if you'd like to look it up, it's Matthew 18 from verse 21. But to be honest, I'm going to summarize it fairly quickly anyway. Um, it's on page 985 if you are flicking forward. One of Jesus' followers asks a question about forgiveness. And as part of his answer, Jesus tells a parable, a story with a point to teach them. 
he tells of a master. So his servant owes him a lot of money, a lot of money for a servant, and he can't repay. The servant pleads for patience, for time to repay him. The master has pity on him and isn't just patient, but actually lets him off in an incredible act of mercy. At the same time, what we see is an equally incredible act of double standards. For this servant goes out straight away and refuses to forgive a fellow servant a small debt that they owe, to the extent they have this other servant thrown into prison. When the master finds out, he acts in just the way you'd imagine. Verse 32 and verse 33. You wicked servant, he said, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? It's really clear, isn't it? And in fact, in case it isn't, Jesus spells it out in verse 35. This is how my heavenly father, that's God, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Bible tells us the debt we owe to God is huge. He made us and made the world we live in, everything we have. He loves us deeply. He knows us and he cares about us. However, we've rejected him. We reject his rules and we deserve to be punished. But the message of the Bible is that God is always ready to forgive, always ready to have mercy. If we say sorry to him for the things we've done, we can be part of this kingdom that he's been talking about and we can be forgiven. The story of the Bible is of this master forgiving us, having mercy on us through the death of his son, Jesus. He took the punishment that we deserve which is why God is ready to forgive. You see, all this talk about how we should behave, it's only because of what Jesus has first done for us, to bring us into the kingdom. It's in response to that. Our behavior doesn't earn anything. If you're someone who isn't a Christian, who doesn't trust Jesus for forgiveness, then I'd love it if you'd want to think about these things. I truly believe they're the most important in the world. The Bible tells us God's given, everything as, given us everything we have and he's ready to forgive us and welcome us home. Why not look to those you know who are Christians? Look to their lives and see what you can see in them. If you'd like to talk about it, there's lots of people here at Hope City who'd love to do that. Come talk to me or anyone else you know here afterwards. So let's come back to our message from Matthew 5. We've thought about God's big heart towards us. This heart command is then Jesus teaching his disciples how they should live. Mercy, not revenge. It has parallels, though, also, to what we've been looking at the last few weeks. For those of us who've been here, don't worry if you haven't. But it's about taking revenge isn't just about doing the act. It's also about the heart. That's why I keep doing the heart thing and saying heart, and there's a heart on there. To get the theme, it's not subtle. I'm not trying to be subtle. It's about how we act on our insides. Jesus transforms our heart. So if you look at someone who's wronged you, you might feel that anger and that you know, grudge inside you against them. 
Well, God says you need to be willing to have mercy in them, to not seek revenge, to love them. And I think that goes also for the people that ask you to do something more than is fair. Also for the people who you think just don't treat you very well. As I've thought about this myself, I think I don't have particularly bitter enemies that I want to get back and break their legs. I don't think that'll surprise you particularly. Um, But I think this is where it impacts a lot of us. You know, the grudge we hold against other people. I think I can think of people I've worked with in the past that that's the case, where I thought they didn't treat me well, so I've not treated them well. I've just, you know, not helped them when they've needed it. I've not treated them politely in the email's response. That's not a good thing. I don't know what that might mean for you in your lives, whether at, you know, school, university, in your neighbourhood, with people you work with, in your family. I'm aware this might sound flippant to some of you because the people who have wronged you have hurt you deeply and might even continue to do so. I'm, I'm deeply sorry. Um, please, again, talk to people. Look for help. Don't suffer alone. You are loved. That's the point. That's why God has mercy on us, because he loves us. So don't get discouraged also at the fact that you almost certainly haven't been doing this, even if you've been trying to. We sang earlier, um, and I, I, yeah, it's got a lot of... Um, old-fashioned language, but that song, Our sins there are many, God's mercy is more, is really wonderful. That idea that we will keep failing in many different ways, but God has unending mercy on us and continues to forgive us. Changing takes time, and having a heart change takes time. You can't just click your fingers and make it happen. Sometimes you need a decision, and you need time, and you need to keep praying to God for his help. God will work in you. I want to take a couple of minutes to talk about a real-life example here. Um, Corrie ten Boom was a Christian for the Netherlands in the 1930s. Uh, She and her family had Jews in their house when the Jews were under threat from the Nazis. Eventually, she and her family were arrested um, and sent to a concentration camp where she like everyone else there, was treated unspeakably badly. After the war, Corrie went on to travel widely, speaking about God's forgiveness and the need for reconciliation. She tells a story of a time she was speaking in Germany when she saw a man come forward that she recognised as a prison guard from her concentration camp, one of her tormentors. Now, amazingly, he had actually become a Christian But now he was asking her for forgiveness, and she tells how she struggled with that. Her sister died in that camp. She says, And I stood there with coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. 
Well, I don't know if I could forgive like that. But I know that God has forgiven us and can help us to have mercy. Sometimes that must be unspeakably hard. But I pray that we'll walk it with each other, that we'll support and love each other in doing these things. Because ultimately, we have been loved. We only show mercy because of the mercy that we have been shown. We're moving towards the end. I want to spend the last couple of minutes thinking about the heart's hope. There is hope. That's the hope we talk about here at Hope City. Living like this, so different to the world around us, can start to impact it as salt and light. It's that idea that it flavors the world, it gives light to the world, and it shows the world that future that can come, the flavor of heaven, of the kingdom Jesus is bringing back in. I think this is a transformed world we'd all like to be in, to see, a world filled with mercy and love. In the book of Romans, later in the Bible, one of Jesus' followers called Paul says, when he's talking about love, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay says the Lord. The Bible tells us that at the end of all things, justice will be done by God. That all sin, all rebellion against God will be punished, either through Jesus having taken that punishment, or people will be separated from God and face the punishment themselves. God does care about justice and fairness. So we don't need to think that the things in this world just don't count or don't matter. Justice does matter after all even if it's not really about how much cake we get or if it's our turn again with the guinea pigs. Those of us who are with God will live with him in a perfect place forever where there'll be no longer any fighting or arguments or war and all the sin and hurt will be washed away. I think we all long for that day and we can have hope that it will come because of Jesus. And in the meantime... In the meantime, the kingdom of transformed hearts will start to break in here and we can be examples of Jesus' kingdom here on earth. So as we close, God's command to our hearts is to have mercy in others, not to go looking for revenge. This is because of the example of the biggest heart, God having mercy on us, he is always ready to forgive we can be part of his kingdom starting to bake through here on earth as we look forward to that day and as we have hope. As we think about that for a few moments, the, the choir is going to come back up and sing us one last song to help us reflect on what that means for us. Thank you to the choir. <laughs>